This episode of the Local Hustlers podcast is brought to you by Pearson Moving. If you plan on moving in or out of the valley anytime soon, you have to check out Pearson Moving. They're licensed, insured, and they offer local and long-distance services. Go to movepearson.com to get your free quote today. Pearson Moving, movers that won't break the bank or your stuff. You're listening to the Local Hustlers Podcast, East Valley Locals. Get connected with small businesses near you and dive deep into their stories, mindset, and motives. Entrepreneurs everywhere. Get ready to be inspired by business owners, entrepreneurs, and hustlers that you can relate to and learn from. And now, your hosts, Dallin Huso and Ridge Waldberg. All right. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Local Hustlers podcast. Today, we are stoked to have college dropout and uh, do-it-yourselfer Kyle Pearson with Pearson Moving. How are you doing, Kyle? Good, guys. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's good Good to have you. Good to have you. Good to be here. Well, how about you start kind of with like a background on yourself? How about you kind of like tell us where you came from and, and what's going on with your life? Yeah, perfect. So, um, grew up in the East Valley, uh, went to Highland High. Um, go Hawks. Yeah, go Hawks. <laughs> um, you know, uh, had a lot of, a lot of friends whose parents were business owners, mm-hmm. um, saw their lifestyles and stuff. Um, and you know, it was like, that's, that's what I want. Right. Yeah. And, um, so had some had some really good friends, kind of your inner circle, if you will, yeah. that, that all kind of ran off and started our own businesses. But um, that was definitely what I wanted to do with my life. Now, the question was, is what was I going to do? Yeah. Um, you know, I was always told you graduate high school, you go to college, you study business, you get your degree and you go work in corporate America, which... I mean, I, I have family members doing that and they're killing it. There's yeah. nothing bad to say about that. I just, yeah. I was kind of just going through the motions, being told what to do. And I just didn't know what I wanted to do. Yeah. Um, you know, we had the, uh, my buddy Justin Turley and I had a, a landscaping business in high school and that was the most fun because we worked the least amount, but yeah. made the most amount of money yeah. versus any minimum wage fun. high school job. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I uh, learned a lot about getting burned by customers and you yeah. know, at managing clients and stuff like that. So, um, you know, he, he like took that and ran with it and now he's a super successful, like general contractor doing, doing everything. Um, but, uh, I, I went to college, uh, did the dorm life the first year, got an apartment with some friends the second year. And, um, I was always like a 3.5 GPA kid. Like, it's not like I didn't apply myself in school. I just yeah. didn't like it. Yeah. Um, and definitely getting through my sophomore year of college, uh, you know, I was watching Justin do taking the, the landscape business to the next level. Again, I, I wasn't a part of that anymore. That was all him. And he was killing it. And um, I was just like, dude, like, what, what should I do? Like, what can I do? And <laughs> he was like why don't you just buy a trailer and move people? <laughs> Dude, I thought about it for about 30 seconds, emptied my savings account, bought a cargo tra- trailer on Craigslist, hooked it up to oh, my wow. pickup truck and started advertising on Craigslist and just ran with it. And, wow. you know, I was always told if you're going to do something, don't, don't have but it. Yeah, and yeah. so I just, I just went with it. And, um, I was working, part-time full-time kind of like 35 hours a week mm-hmm. at the Lexus dealership just as a as a rental car guy when you when you have a Lexus you always get a Lexus rental car it's kind mm-hmm. of a 
cool program for mm-hmm. that for that dealership, the manufacturer. Yeah. But um, anyways, I had a fun job. I drove a lot of cool cars because people with you know Vipers and other right, high end right. cars just loved the service department. Yeah. So they would let that service department service their cars and being the guy who assisted with all that, I I drove some sweet cars and so That's that was sweet. it was such a fun job, but. Um, and for a brief moment, I thought my career was going to be with them, uh, with the, the Penske automotive brand and work in the dealerships and go up from there. But, um, I started doing the moving thing. We did it. We, you know, we moonlighted. So we were doing it in the afternoons on yeah. weekends. I, uh, one of my buddies who worked at Lexus with the, the same hours as me, he would come along with me and, um, he actually went on to be like my GM for the first few years starting the business. Um, but after about two months of doing the moving on the side was enough for me to leave the job at uh, Lexus. Um, This was now end of summer, sophomore year of college. Um, Some would say I was living the dream, you know, at college, living in an apartment down at ASU with the buddies and and having fun. Um, Never got super, super into the party scene, but, you know, it was fun living on your own and stuff, right? Um, I moved home. Uh, that summer, uh, actually for the, for the next two years, the rest of my college, um, because I was starting a business, um, I wasn't paying myself. I was reinvesting everything in the business, you know, working on growth and, um, had a little desk set up in my, at the time, high school brother's room. Um, (laughs) I mean, it's just crazy. And so that was a, you know, a sacrifice. Um, I, I took all the money I had saved that year working at Lexus and yeah. you know, bought the trailer, got it wrapped, bought equipment and kind of just started going for it and talk about a snowball effect from there. It just, it just kept going and going. And I, I kept enrolling in college. Um, I focused a little bit more on the online classes, which were probably the death of me yeah. <laughs> just because, I mean, I, I love the idea of online school. I oh. really do. Mm-hmm. But if you're not putting in 100, you're not going to get it no, out. Yeah. And I wasn't because every time I was on my computer, I was like, let's go sell some jobs, right? Let's, yeah. <laughs> let's, let's work on the business. Um, so that's, that's pretty much what happened to me by the eighth semester. So second year of senior second semester of senior year. Um, I decided I wasn't going back. I, I, gosh, if you look at it, I probably have enough credits for a, for a one year left to finish college. But at that point, you know, I I had student loans and stuff, not nothing crazy, but, um, you know, just enough to go to the local university. And before I knew it, I was just like, I, I don't like this. And I'm, at that point, I think I was like 21. I was just like, I'm 21 years old. Like I get to make my own decisions now. And so that was a real like turn for me was like, I'm an adult. I'm talking about the rest of my life here. Uh, I'm just going through college to go through the motions, but this, I see something with. And for me, that was a big, you know, big change at that point. It was just, let's ramp up. Let's get an office warehouse. Let's get, the staff let's get the the trucks just just ramp it up and so that was really the whole process for me and it was organic growth um, no major loans or anything minus a couple vehicle loans here and there yeah um but it was just always doing what you're doing what you say you're gonna do that was the biggest thing and just following through and delivering an unbelievable customer service experience and that's pretty much what I attribute to, to getting where I'm at. Yeah. Nice. Love to hear it. You just rolled with it. So. I literally <laughs> rolled with it. I, my biggest thing was I had nothing to lose. Yeah. yeah. I had no family to support at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I just ultimately had nothing to lose. And so I, I, it was easier for me to take the risk. Whereas I think if you were to ask me like, Hey, are you a true entrepreneur? Would you, would you risk everything right now with, you know, a house, a family, a kid, everything Mm -hmm. like that? I think it'd be a hard question for me to answer. So it was easier for me to take the risk being young and dumb. Um, so question, you mentioned how you were, you know, having a good time at college, Mm -hmm. like living with friends, Mm -hmm. the party scene. Do you ever look back and have any regrets? Maybe not that you did it, but that you didn't enjoy that for a little longer. Or are you glad that you kind of jumped in when you did? So that's a great question. I think most people would look at me and be like, oh man, you threw away right. two extra yeah. years of party yeah. and living it up. Um, I absolutely love my life. And, and I believe by getting married young and starting a business young and leaving that college scene young has just propelled me to a point where I want to be. And yeah. so I... I wouldn't change it for the world. Um, like I said, I was never like super excited about going out and partying and stuff. I mean, going to like the college football games was always a good time. Yeah. Like, but I could still do that now once yeah, they yeah. figure out the COVID thing. <laughs> yeah, but exactly. you know, that's I just I absolutely love my life, and so I I can't say I I regret doing anything that I did. That's cool. Yeah. It's, it's good to look back and not have any regrets. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, were you ever, maybe not on, on that side of things, but were you ever hesitant? Like, oh, am I making the right decision? Like, is this stupid of me to go all in on this? Is let's, any- let's just say a lot, a lot of sleepless nights. Yeah. I mean, talk about anxiety and uh, the thing about moving is it's such a regulated industry you know you're not only so we're we're a licensed interstate mover which a lot of moving companies are not they're just at the state level um so not only am i dealing with regulations as a 19 year old kid am Uh i dealing with regulations at the state trucking level but at the federal trucking level there's just so many hoops and and loops and stuff to jump through so uh, making sure I was doing everything. I always did everything by the book from the moment I got started. And so me, th- there's no, there's no book for that. There's no right, book yeah. to tell you how to go get your licensing and things like that. Yeah. And so that, that provided a lot of sleepless nights yeah. and, um, you know, draining your bank account to make the next move or, you know, hitting payroll, man. My biggest thing is I was so concerned about the guys who worked for me because yeah. I was a new business. So guys were yeah. taking a risk to go work for, for me. Sure. The thing that kept me up at night was making sure I had enough work for them. Yeah. And so that was, that was difficult yeah. getting started. For sure. Um, there obviously isn't a book on how to like get all these licenses and stuff. How did you figure it out? Then like, did you have someone that you're able to talk to that helped you out or did you just have to look it up and figure it out on your own? Yeah. So good question. Um, I, I've had a lot of influence and like quote unquote mentors over the years, but no one that was in this scene specifically. And so most of the stuff I learned was, uh, just online reading, reading the, the forums to my industry, reading the government regulations to my industry, um, of course, the phone calls to the you know people at the local Department of Transportation office that 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 gave me a lot of insight. Um, even just your other vendors, like your insurance agent. Once I found an insurance agent that actually focused on this industry, they provided a lot of insight on the oh, forms cool. that they needed to file on my behalf cool. um, and stuff like that. So it was just a lot of myself mm-hmm. learning and and making sure we had everything dialed in. Nice. That's sweet. So you talked about mentors. Like, was there anyone that kind of like stood out to you over the years that really helped you get to where you're at? Yeah. So definitely wanted to start with like the immediate friends group. Um, the, a big part of taking the next level and next steps was was Justin. Um, just because it was always, even though we were completely unrelated fields, it was such a competition. Not mm-hmm. necessarily to be better than each other because. Yeah, yeah. 
I mean, that's it's not even comparable. Um, but it was just so fun to just get under each other's skin and say, how come you haven't made that next move, man? Like, dude, you should yeah. totally go and take that jump, like take yeah. that step. Um, so that a lot of camaraderie was big. Um, so friend, friends focused, um, definitely had some, some friends, dads, um, social net, social networking linked me up with some successful moving company owners in different areas of the country. Nice. Um, and being the, the younger kid in the game, I mean, so many people are just excited to help the next yeah, generation yeah. and, so much was learned. Um, I definitely never wanted to overburden them with questions, and I was really professional and respectful of their time. But if I was in a tight spot handling a situation, I mean, it was a it was an Instagram DM away, and within thirty minutes or so, he'd respond back how he he would do uh do take care of that. Um, so I, I would attribute stuff to to them to to kind of get me through and, and push me to where I am. That's super cool. That's yeah. Um. Was that just like through, like you said, social networking groups that you've got on like specific to your industry? That yeah. Yeah. So I have learned a lot about business, uh, joining Facebook groups yeah. for business owners, yeah. uh, specific to the field and industry. Um, just by looking up, I, I go off of, and some of your guys' past episodes, you guys have focused a lot on branding. Right. Um, I believe it was Adam, uh, with mint. He was talking about the branding of the trucks and stuff like that. And so that was the biggest thing when I would look for a moving company, not necessarily to model myself after, but kind of pick and choose the things I liked that yeah. they were doing. I mean, that was the first thing you see was you go on their Instagram page and if they've got a bunch of trucks branded themselves, you're like, all right, this is a reputable For business. Sure, yeah. I'm going to follow them. Whereas I had found some moving companies that didn't have the branded trucks and they probably didn't get my follow. Not that that weighs anything but i yeah. just I'd, I'd move on and look for another company that yeah, i thought was yeah. doing it right so um that's kind of how i got linked up with the people i did that's cool yeah um so going back to right when you got started was it just you at first did you do some of the moves or did you hire people right away how did that work totally so it was me um i had a, a really good friend hayden who was working at the lexus dealership with me he kind of mm -hmm. jumped ship right about once things got cranking out yeah um so him and i did a lot of the jobs a lot of work until midnight back in the day wow um and then uh, another good friend um, I went to school with and kind of grew up with, Connor, he actually worked for me for the first summer. Um, and that was where we, I mean, summer of 2013, that's where we got started and, yeah. and grew. Um, so it was really him and I doing almost all the jobs, working three to four days per per week, one one to two jobs per day. Um so we had just a, about two or three guys always working with me. But yeah, for that first year, I was on the trucks every time. Uh, once we added the second truck and trailer, um, that's when Hayden started driving the second truck. So we had essentially two drivers. And I would always book them up work first. And then I reserved the, the second bookings for myself. So um, I was always making sure my employees were taken care of first. And then I would go out and do the second jobs um, as they booked yeah. um, and bring on additional help for those. Um, and that allowed me to also focus on office stuff and marketing yeah. while I knew a truck was always in the field. And then I would go in and jump in, you know, when we got extra bookings. For sure. 
Did you kind of enjoy doing the movie, or did you end up just getting super sick of it? I do. No, I absolutely love it, and it's the most twisted, twisted thing to say <laughs> that I enjoy moving. But um, oh my gosh, I think about it all the time. I mean, you put in the headphones, and I mean, there there definitely is an art form and skill to it. It's not about just being a meathead and, yeah. and throwing stuff in a truck. Like there's yeah. a finesse to it, um, and and Tetris. You know, you're making things fit securely, safely. Um, I was always fascinated by trucks, and it's so cool that yeah. I've got five big trucks now. I mean, my little two-year-old cool. son loves it. Just the other day, I had to stop by the office in the afternoon. We brought him and letting him drive and stuff. And so That's I was cool. kind of the same way, fascinated with trucks. And so the whole concept of that uh, is such a thrill to me. Um, I mean, I was... I was the skinniest, strongest kid when I was on the trucks every day. I mean, we could eat whatever we wanted, and you're just burning thousands and thousands of calories a day. Um, Good workout. You feel so rewarded at the end of the job. Like You look back, because it's such an accomplishment style of work. You just moved someone's entire house in one day. For sure. It's just you can see the finished product. As as, as, um, you know, a lot of businesses... Uh, service related when you when you complete a task it just it seems so fulfilling because you can see a before and after um so that that it was fulfilling for me if i could just put my headphones in and keep doing what i'm doing now i'd absolutely love it but i couldn't grow or run a business right that. right so you say that there's like some sort of finesse to like moving and mm-hmm. stuff like that because when i think of moving it's just like all right let's just get a bunch of crap <laughs> like put it in the truck and like get it to the next house right like what's kind of the how do how do movers do it yeah, so um, I, I developed a process that might be uh, standard with some companies, may not be standard with other companies, but I knew I need to work on my policies and my procedures uh, to train my staff and keep everything the same. So like the first thing we're going to do when we come in a house is move out all the boxes. Um, they're usually cluttering up the hallways, cluttering up the bedrooms. We can't even get yeah. to the furniture until we clear those out. So we're always going to bring out all the boxes to the truck, stack those up. You know, of course you got your fragile items you can't put below cause they're going to get crushed. Right. So those are going up on top. Um, boxes are different sizes. Um, the next thing is most, most professional moving companies, and I say that because there are just so many unprofessional ones out there, but most professional companies are going to completely blanket wrap and shrink wrap your furniture before it's brought out. Um, there is so much risk in moving. I mean, when you think about it, you're taking all the contents of someone's house and putting them in a truck and right, driving them yeah. down the road. Mm-hmm. Um, so you have to limit that risk. And the biggest part of limiting that risk is covering and protecting the furniture. So like that's what we talk about. Like The art form is making sure each piece of furniture is completely pad-wrapped, shrink-wrapped, disassembled when it's necessary. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the last is finding a safe spot in the truck for that item. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I can't put a metal bed frame right next to a glass china hutch because <laughs> yeah. if that shifts in transit, even if that glass hutch is blanketed, it's metal's going to go through the glass, right? Yeah. So that's where we kind of talk about the art form. And then the last is when you're in the home, especially with all these townhouse style condos they're building today's yeah. uh, with the three flights of stairs and the tight, yeah. tight hallways. Yeah. You know, we're talking about getting a, a couch up uh, the zigzag staircase. <laughs> right, yeah. um, and there's so much pivoting and stuff involved. So th- and those are all things you learn on the job. It's not exactly rocket science, but it, it comes with an art form and uh, a learning curve. Have you ever just broken something really big on a job? Nothing super large, thank goodness. Okay, um, you know, we have completed over 10,000 moves. And oh, wow. any moving company that tells you they've never broken anything is, is straight <laughs> up lying. lying. Yeah. It's, yeah. you know, <laughs> the best businesses in the world have downfall. I mean, gosh, yeah. you're, you're 
car dealerships will wreck someone's car driving it to the back lot for service. I'm not going to come out and say nothing as bad as ever happened, but it's how you handle those situations. Um, The flat screen televisions. um, You know, we've come up with so many processes and things in place to limit our exposure to damaged televisions. Uh Um, Me personally, my mom bought me a flat screen TV for Christmas five, six years ago. Brand new in the box, straight from the big box store, delivered by UPS. And when I pull it out of the box, it had already had a shattered you oh, know, glass thing. And yeah, I, yeah. I use that a lot when I'm, if I have to de-escalate a situation or explain how something happened, because we're always going to take care of our customer and rectify the situation. Yeah, that, that was my next question. How do you guys handle yeah, it? Yeah, and I'll, I'll get to that here in a second, because there's a lot that goes on in the moving industry. Uh-huh. Um, but as far as the biggest thing is the customer service de-escalating the situation and explaining the, the, the situation, the best thing you can do is um, talk to your customers because they don't move every day they don't know how it goes and so you have to explain to them and so i use that descript that i use that story a lot is even straight from the manufacturer this thing's been on a train a boat a plane and then in a delivery truck to get to your house like it's glass tvs are the most fragile items and and now they're becoming disposable i never thought Mm -hmm. being a kid that we would see a flat screen tv become disposable but i mean they're a hundred bucks now for a 50 inch tv it's Mm -hmm. at some you know on black friday and stuff so um so those are things and like i said over you know gosh and ten thousand moves we have maybe had less than 20 broken TVs. Like it's just such a minimal percentage. Yeah. You have your fair share of glass shelves, like rectangle glass. Those are easily replaced. Um, you know, it's usually just the things like that, that, yeah. that just happen. but it's, I might get one, one per month where we're like handling a situation and it's just so quick. I'm such a believer in just handling the situation as fast as possible. Uh-huh. So there's been situations where my guys will send me a picture of a broken piece of glass. I'll say, send me the measurements. I will go to our glass cutter, get it cut and delivered to the guys before they oh, even wow. finish the job. Right. So it's just like nice. things like that, that yeah. kind of separate you instead of playing this game where you wait for the customer to email you photos and then you take three <laughs> weeks to respond to them. Uh, yeah. I think that just aggravates people. And so I don't like to handle that. Um, getting to like, how do you handle situations? Yeah. So, Moving is a fun industry because you might look at a house and there might be, I don't know, $30,000 worth of stuff inside when you mm-hmm. factor a piano, bedroom sets, dishes, clothes, everything. Yeah. Um, that all goes on a truck and delivered to a house for about a thousand bucks, maybe mm-hmm. $1,500, maybe. You cannot expect a mover to be held responsible waiting with a checkbook to reimburse you at brand new cost for anything and everything that can go wrong. No mover would ever be in business. No moving company would ever take that risk. And the world would literally be out of moving companies where a lot of people rely on movers. It's not even a, um, a want versus a need for a lot of people. A mover is a need. And so no one would take that risk in such a Sue happy, uh, environment in today's world. So there's a couple regulations. The one that's the most common and I'm not a big fan of it, but it sets the stage and I'll, and I'll explain that is what they call basic valuation. Um, moving companies, we don't hold an insurance 
broker's license. Like I can't legally sell you an insurance policy. I can't. Um, but the state has this form called a basic valuation and it's what it is. It's really lame, but it's valuing all your contents at 60 cents per pound. That means the hundred year old grandma's dresser that you have as an entry piece is technically worth more than your $500 flat screen TV you just bought yesterday at Costco. Um, I'm not a fan of it, but it's what it does is it sets the baseline for the value of your contents on the truck. Hmm. Um, The best thing we can do is explain this clearly to our customers at least four times before their move date. So it's talked about at the booking. It's talked about the confirmation email. They get a reminder email talking to them about insurance. Then on the day of the move, they're they're looking at this form and they're holding it talking about their different insurance levels. Um, And so the best thing that allows me to sleep at night and function and run my company is just informing my customers the best I can. After that, it's up to my customers to make the decision on what they want to do. So for example, um, if we were moving a dresser and this has never happened, but let's say it was dropped at the top of the stairs and completely came tumbling down, the whole thing fell apart. That customer would be reimbursed 60 cents per pound. I mean, on a 200, 300 pound dresser that was maybe used, maybe five, 10 years old, mm-hmm. the customer is going to get 150, you know, 200 bucks. I don't know, something like that. Yeah. It's not out of line to go get a new dresser. So, you know, if you talk Ethan Allen, some of these high end furniture companies that right, they would right. be really underwater, but, you know, American furniture style furniture, that's going to get them fairly close. The best part is that basic valuation. There's no upfront cost, there's no premium the customer's paying, mm-hmm. there's no duct deductible to file the claim it's us giving you a reimbursement based on that whereas the second option is actually like true replacement insurance from an insurance company we've partnered with um completely optional highly recommended but at that point the customer does have a premium they pay just like your car insurance so they're already in the game a couple hundred bucks and then when they file a claim we actually work with the customer. We're actually on the customer side at that point, and the insurance company is on their side. It's it's not a battle. It's hey, this is this is what happened. Let's get it taken care of. Um, but we actually get to work on side of our customers to get this handled when huh. there's the insurance policy. Um, but at that point, the customer does have a deductible, whether they choose the zero, the two fifty, or the five hundred dollar deductible. So if you were to look at that same dresser, and we're going to give the customer two hundred bucks, they may need to go spend three three twenty five to get a new dresser. Whereas if they went the insurance route, they would have spent 200 bucks for an insurance policy, 250 for a deductible before they even got a check. Wow. They wouldn't have gotten a check because it would have been cheaper than that. So it, I wish I could just write a check and buy everyone a brand new piece of furniture at the yeah, end of the move. Yeah, but I yeah. just, I can't be in, no one could be in business. I don't even want to talk about myself. <laughs> yeah. It's just not realistic. <laughs> right. So those are the two options. And the better you explain that to a customer, 99% of our customers don't buy the insurance. Because we are a reputable company with tons of five-star reviews. It, yeah. If something can be repaired re- reasonably, we always get it repaired. Always. I mean, if there's a scratch or a gouge on a piece of furniture, some of these furniture repairmen are wizards and mm-hmm. they can take care of it. And I would much rather just spend 100 bucks out of my own pocket, 200 bucks out of my own pocket to make, to save that move and that customer and create a thriving um, experience. Yeah. Um, than, you know, dealing with a he said, she said battle. So that's kind of how I handle things. There's not much of a book related to that on how to handle it, but (laughs) that's how I've developed it and allowed us to win with our customers. Uh 
That's super interesting. Yeah. So it sounds like customer service is a big part of, of what you do. Yes. So the, the story goes that moving is the third most stressful day in someone's life between a wedding, uh, I guess you have a few, but wedding, divorce, <laughs> death, right, and moving. Yeah. They're literally yeah. all on the same plan. Um, so I train all of my staff that they need to know that even though this is just a job to us, this is such a stressful day to our customers. And I have seen so many different times where a customer is just so stressed out and they might say some things that they don't mean. They might handle a situation that is not the best way to handle the situation. Um, And it's because they're in the midst of a move. So the best thing I tell my guys is, you know, we start out of the gate smiling, shaking hands. Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. I'm going to do, you know, just talking through the whole move day to our customers and keeping them in the loop and, you know, saying a few jokes, keeping it light. Um to help de-escalate any possible situation that may arise. Yeah. My guys could knock it out of the park and um, do the entire move and break a, a glass shelf, which is a $10 replacement piece. Like, su- And it takes 30 seconds to replace it. It's mm-hmm. not a big deal at all. If, if we could do a uh, an eight-hour move and a, a $10 glass shelf broke, that is such a win in the moving industry. That's yeah. like top-notch. Um, <laughs> and, and that barely even happens. But... Um, if my guys were rude and unprofessional and smoking on the job, which luckily we don't have to deal with that, but just so many different things and that breaks, that would be the worst day for the customer yeah. and I would hear it and it would just never end. And the movers did this and they did this and this. Whereas if they're smiling and happy, like I said, in the glass shelf and we get it replaced right away, that customer is so excited. Do you spend more time cleaning your pool than you spend swimming in it? And call Flamingo Pools today. Flamingo Pools is your go-to swimming pool maintenance and repair company in the East Valley. Whether it's weekly maintenance, repairs, green to cleans, or one-time cleanings, Flamingo Pools will take care of you. Honest, reliable, and innovative. Just a few of the many good things Flamingo Pools customers have to say about them. Ask them about their mineral treatment, which will keep your chemical levels down, allowing you to have a healthier bathing experience. At Flamingo Pools, They know that your pool was made to be enjoyed, so let them handle the rest. Check them out at azflamingopools.com or give them a call at 480-422-6013. Mention this podcast and you'll get your first month of maintenance completely free. That's azflamingopools.com and 480-422-6013. So how do you handle employees? I mean, in, in such a, a hard industry, like I feel like it would be hard. I don't know. Like I feel like the turnover rate would be big yes. or I don't know. Like, and then have, make sure that they uphold that customer service. Yes. That you have. Yeah. Yes. Because you're caring for somebody else's stuff, like yes. literally everything they own. Yes. So. Oh my goodness. Yes. Um, moving industry, definitely one of the highest turnover, um, highest cost, like our, um, the industry as a whole, the workman's comp bracket is one of the highest. Um, oh, just yeah. so many things make it very difficult. Um, and I don't blame them. It's such a difficult, physically demanding job. Whereas a lot of jobs, if you are sick, you could still get your duties done for the day. But if you're not mm. like feeling 100 or at least 95%, you can't perform that day. You're literally mm. an athlete to yeah. some degree yeah. to yeah. what you're doing. And so, um, whether the call outs are justified or not, it's <laughs> definitely a difficult job. Um, the things I do, 
um, when hiring is we try to hire from all different avenues. Facebook, Indeed has, has a really cool program for hiring guys. Like They just have a lot of stuff dialed in. Facebook is pretty much there too. Um, and then the best is just referrals of friends yeah. um, of or employees who are already working there. Yeah. Um, I try to be as friendly with my guys as possible. And, and I explain this to all new hires that I hope that all of my staff refer to their boss as super laid back as long as we just get what we need to be get, get it done. Um, I don't like drama. I don't get involved with issues very, very deeply. It's if you're performing, you're going to stay. If you're not performing, like we're just going to end our partnership right here, right now. And yeah. we're going to look elsewhere. Um, it's the best thing I can do is anytime someone asks for time off, as long as it's provided like one to two weeks at minimum in advance, I give them time off. Yeah. That was the number one thing I hated working jobs through high school and college was I was scared with my tail between my legs to ask my boss for a family vacation. And back for then sure. I'd vacation with my family all the time, whether it was a funeral or a family reunion or whatever. Yeah. I mean, and I'd ask for it like a month in advance and I was still so nervous to ask for that time off. Yeah. And I just yeah. did not, I didn't want to run a company putting people in that environment. So uh -huh. um, I overstaff slightly uh, to allow for time off so it doesn't affect me because if true. everyone requests time off, then I can't make money. <laughs> um, so I, I overstaff a little bit to cover that. But, um, you know, providing always requested time off. Uh, my guys never work afternoons. We're closed on Sundays. Saturdays are usually always short days. Um, I always work with their schedule. If they have something else going on on Wednesdays, we'll give them Wednesdays off. That's fine. Um, and then, you know, just high-fiving your guys, bringing them energy, energy drinks now and then, giving ice on the trucks before they go out. Yeah. Um, creating a brand that they feel confident working for. That's another thing. You know, we, we take pride in our reviews. Our customers love talking to us and we have a few bonus structures set up. And so those are things that I've done. Um, I have a couple employees that have been with me three, four years now. Oh, wow. um, I've had guys that have been with me over the last eight years, but work two years. So, you know, two years was kind of like the employee average, but for a while before I think I learned how to manage better, I mean, gosh, you get someone for one month and they would just disappear. I mean, yeah. just disappear. Uh, two months, three months, things like that. And so luckily now we have a good enough culture that allows our guys to stick around. We offer health benefits, you know, direct deposit, all, all the things that like a big business would offer, mm -hmm. you can get working at this company as well as a, a fair wage plus performance bonuses and then the craziest thing is just the tips i mean it's a it's a pretty solid tipping industry so yeah. there's an opportunity uh even with overtime time and a half overtime and stuff for our employees to to make an honest living and even get health benefits for their family if they that's want that's cool that's cool so where was where was the difference in having those employees for two months versus two years like what what was the change to get them to stay longer i think age group actually. Uh, when I, when I look at the numbers and the data, um, when I was younger, the people that I was choosing from were younger, usually almost always younger than me. So I was getting the guys fresh out of high school and fresh, yeah. you know, really young. Um, and for whatever reason, I, I've met a lot of sharp people and I've let, a, I've met a lot of not sharp people. <laughs> um, 
I, I think a lot of it I put on myself as the business owner. I probably wasn't choosing the best candidates. Yeah. Uh, I was probably hiring for the wrong reasons for whatever that was. Um, but that I, I think as I kind of hired in like the mid twenties range, I started getting a little bit better. Um, uh, people who understood um, that, hey, if I don't show up to work, I'm going to get evicted. You know, like they kind of have more responsibilities where I think if you're hiring from the younger crowd, which like, I mean, I started my business with 18 year olds. I mean, I wouldn't be where I'm at without hiring kids straight out of high school that were working all summer long. The football players that, you know, could work part time and things like that. Um, I wouldn't be where I was at without them. But a lot of them were still living at home. They were going to go to college. They didn't have responsibilities. And it was much easier for them to just be like, you know, hey, I'm tired of working. I think I'm just going to stop working right now. And like that was it. Whereas yeah. <laughs> if you hire guys who have their own apartment, their car payments, things like that, you're they understand that I got to get my booty out of bed. Right, and go they to have work some motivation. Exactly. Yeah. So it sounds like you have actual employees rather than subbing out jobs. Yes. Is there a specific reason why you went that route instead of back to sleepless nights? Right. Mm-hmm. So there was, and I'm a fan of it to be completely honest. But when you start a business. Uh, payroll is such a legal issue, yeah. headache, just all these words I could say about payroll. Um, a lot of businesses, the easiest way is the 1099 subcontractor. Yeah. And there is such a fine line. But there's also such a gray area um, of how to determine an employee. The for moving sure. industry is notoriously known for working really hard on the subcontractors. Um, a lot of the major van lines that are all focused on interstate, you've got United Van Lines, uh, Atlas Van Lines, all of these big names. The drivers are independent, so they get like 80% of the whole job, whereas the parent company gets like 20%. Um, and then the driver is responsible for paying for their truck payment, their fuel, and then hiring their labor in other towns. And they usually just cash pay those guys. And those guys are responsible at the mm. end of the year, of course, for filing their 1099 and paying taxes on their income. I don't know if that happens, but that's obviously the problem <laughs> that the government has with it. So a lot of local moving companies think that, and that's actually the way they're doing that is very legal. I mean, yeah. it makes yeah. the most yeah. sense because yeah. they're literally hiring guys cash on the spot for the day and paying them. Um, and the, the truck driver is responsible for his own hours. If he wants to drive through the night to get to the job, he can, or if he wants to drive through the day, he can. Um, that is a legal form of 1099 subcontractors. A lot of local moving companies try to model that. And the problem is, is the IRS is so clear on this rule. Whereas if you tell an employee what to do and when to do it, guess what? They're an employee. Yeah. Um, and definitely starting out my business when all my guys working for me were like an on-call part-time thing, meaning we didn't have constant work mm-hmm. um, every day for people. It was, I mean, I'd book a job and I'd text four guys, hey, who's available for this day? Some could argue that that's a 1099 because it was very easy for that person to say, hey, I'm not available or hey, I am available. Yep. I'm, do- I'm doing this part-time when I want. Yeah. Um, but when you start getting people driving Driving on your insurance, you know, wearing your uniforms, which people have always done, and you're telling them when to show up and how to do the job with your tools, uh, you're really in the zone of having employees. And as expensive as that is, it one provides a better opportunity for your movers because let's face it, a lot of people love getting that tax refund at the end of the year. Yeah. There's you 1099 people. 
you may do your best to explain to them, but in this type of society where no one saves money, they're not setting aside their <laughs> no, taxes. No. And, and they're mad if they, at you. And they're mad at mm-hmm. you. They're mad at you. Even if you explain to them the best you can do, they don't understand why their buddies are getting tax refunds, and they're not. And <laughs> right. then you explain, yeah. you're like, dude, like, you're getting your full wage all year long. What'd you yeah. do? But to me, again, providing such an opportunity and a good environment for my staff, that just, I just couldn't keep doing that and so for a few years ago we transitioned to like all right everyone's employees and that sucks when you hire someone new and they're literally working for you for one week or two weeks and then they quit because mm-hmm. now you're sending them you know a w not uh w4 at the end of the year or a w2 and all these things but it's just so much easier plus it allows me to sleep very that was probably the last thing that was like a little gray area for me is running a company fully legit was the employee payroll process yeah. And I mean, so thankful for the last couple of years, I know deep down that there is not something I'm missing. We have everything dialed in yeah. perfectly legit. And even though it comes at a higher expense, right. it's done right. Yeah. And so that is, I think it's separated me from having a, a little business to having like a real business was taking that last step. For sure. And even though there is more expense, like you said, there's in the long run, it probably makes you more money having that more control over your guys and and they're happier as well. So I'm sure that absolutely. Yep, exactly. And, and in the moving industry, since there are so many subcontractors, I get to kind of use that as a minor sales pitch. I, I hate throwing down, competition i don't think that's legit i think you and you you coach a customer on how to uh price shop for themselves if you can't land that job right then on the phone you know you kind of tell them just like hey make sure the companies you're ref- you're about to research are you know as le- as legit as we are in layman terms um and so the first thing you can say is you know hey a lot of moving companies use subcontractors subcontractors don't have workman's comp the employer doesn't have it and I'm going to guarantee that the subcontractor doesn't have it because they're not a real subcontractor. <laughs> so when they're moving the dresser in your house and it falls on them, you, the homeowner, would ultimately be responsible for that workman's comp claim. Right. Um, whereas as a l- legit business, an event like that, it's on it's on me. My yeah. customer doesn't pick up the bill for that. Yeah. So that's kind of something you can explain to customers. Hey, our prices might be a little bit higher than theirs, but just so you know, like you're fully taken care of sure. and we're legit. Yeah. That's cool. Um, so how does pricing work both for like you paying your guys and then mm-hmm. charging customers? Is it all hourly? Is it like by the job? Yeah. So a lot of local movers, everything is done hourly and mm-hmm. I love hourly. Um, a lot of people are turned off on it because it sounds like your guys are going to milk the job and <laughs> everyone just wants to rip the customer yeah. off. And, and here's my response to that. And it's very simple. It's listen, it's a very hard job. It's very hot outside. My guys want to be back at home, sitting on their porch with a beer. Like they want to be turned off of work. Yeah. They don't want to be in your house, right? Mm-hmm. And when you're talking about, so I mean, we've been in the nicest of, like, literally the nicest of homes. I've moved the ex CEO of GoDaddy. I mean, we've oh, been wow. in some wow. crazy homes, and I've been in the polar opposite. And yeah. for the most part, you know, people just don't feel comfortable in other people's homes. Like, my guys don't want to, like, be in your home yeah, longer than they there, have yeah. to. They yeah. want to get home to their yeah. house. They want to see their dog. And so that's, like, the first thing I'll tell a customer um, is, like, hey, it's hot. It's hard work. They, they want to get home. Uh, the other thing is a lot of moving companies will write a binding or guaranteed estimate. They'll come look at your house and say, we're going to do this all for 1500 bucks, not a dollar more, this, this, and this. Yeah. The problem is, is when the customer forgets the totes in their attic. 
and now you're the bad guy on moving day saying, hey, I know I promised you this price, but you didn't tell me about this, so now your price is this much. That creates such a tension yeah. with the customer because they were so on board with paying this one price, even For though sure. they forgot to tell you. It just creates problems, and now your managers on site are having to recalculate costs when they should just be doing the job. Yeah. Um, the other thing, too, is if I binded a quote and said, we're going to move this whole house for $1,500, the faster my guys get it done, the more shortcuts my guys take, the more money I make. Mm. That's not a good thing in the moving <laughs> industry. It's, hey, don't wrap that leather couch. Just push it through the door as yeah. fast as you can. Oh, great. Now it's ripped, right? Yeah. So I explain to my customers that by being an hourly rate mover, it allows my movers to get the job done right, and it allows them to take anything that you want if you want that we have customers that will move everything to their garage we'll load it up in the truck and put everything in their next garage and yeah. then they'll bring it in their house that's a cheap move For sure. we have customers that aren't capable of packing themselves so we'll come in and pack move and unpack might be the same amount of stuff but one customer just paid three times as much but they got three times as much service so those are the ways i explain to my customers on this is why we move hourly and listen if we were ripping people off we wouldn't have over 300 five-star reviews we, we just want it we'd be ripped apart online yeah. so that's how i that's how we operate it's worked well we pay our movers hourly which allows us the business owner very simple projected hourly rate costs and profits we know how many hours per month we're supposed to have guys out on trucks yeah, to hit our yeah. minimums so it's really fun from a financial analyst um point of view um and then it just it's it works great in my opinion that's cool um and then how about like the out-of-state moving aspect does that make things tricky or how do you charge when you're going out of state how does all that work yeah good question so because out-of-state jobs are so much higher in cost they're five six times the cost of a local job yeah I'm going to go back on my word, but it makes it easier to bind a job and, and, and guarantee the price because uh, we will always run a quote for a move to another state based on the size of our truck um, and the distance it's going. So I know at max it's going to take at maximum hours this many hours to load the truck, this many hours to drive there, this number of nights in the hotel, this fuel. Um, so a lot of those costs are already projected. Mm -hmm. um, and since the cost is so much larger, even if I mess up and I'm under a little bit, there's plenty of cushion to cover myself and I don't ever have to nickel and dime the customer for gotcha. anything more at the end gotcha. um, and there's so much that can go wrong with interstate moves meaning like oh this didn't fit on the truck or this and that whatever uh, it's just so much easier at that point to give the customer a flat rate knowing hey when you get there this is the amount too mm -hmm. so we will do interstate jobs flat rate I actually do prefer those as flat rate just because the profit is built in and it's pretty fixed cost yeah but your employees are having to go cross state, stay in hotels overnight, and yeah, we usually do about one or two interstate runs per month. Uh, they're not a large part of our business, but the dollars, you know, uh, help out quite a yeah. bit. Um, and more of anything, when you have the single younger guys working for you, it's fun for them. I was gonna you ask know, you if that. it's a like guy a with a aspect. If it's a guy with a family, like I, you couldn't, I mean, I used to do the interstate jobs and, oh. you know, when I had a girlfriend and stuff, it was fun. I mean, it wasn't the end of the world, but like now with a kid and wife, I can't do it. I'm, I'm <laughs> so like just madly in love. I love being at home, like with my family. So like you couldn't pay me to go on the run, uh, go on the road. Um, but when you're a single guy, like I just had someone who had never been to Idaho. We just did an Idaho move like two weeks ago and he like fell in love with it. I'm afraid he's going to move, <laughs> right? Like, I mean, yeah. it's just like, it's so much different scenery than here. And yeah. so it's just super cool um, for those guys. But yeah, they'll drive, you know, anywhere from eight to 10 hours a day. We'll put yeah. them in a decent hotel. My thing is I put them in a hotel that I would stay at with my family. That's so, cool. um, you know, 
it's not going to be over the top. It's not going to be a rat hotel. It's, you know, middle of the line, but they get their breakfast. They get a per diem for food so they can, you know, run through the gas station like a kid who just got a hundred bucks to buy snacks right for the road i mean it's it's a good time they can make a little bit extra money it's their incentive to be gone from their house because you know like hey you're guaranteed like 10 hours a day right plus this per diem yeah you can make some money on this four-day run so um i think it's a cool gig for them i saw some cool places being being young and we've sent our trucks some cool places so it's a it's a fun fun gig that's cool. That's What's cool. the furthest place you've had to move someone to? Uh, we've taken someone all the way to Florida. Wow. Um, wow. And that was more or less booked by just a repeat customer. We moved them locally. We moved their grandma locally, whatever yeah. it was. Um, and they just wanted to go with us. I explained to all my customers that, listen, we're just not going to be the most price competitive going to the East Coast. We're the best one to two states away. Yeah. Um, because everything we do is with our trucks direct private shipment meaning as soon as it's loaded up no other house is being loaded on that truck yeah and it's not going to go sit in a trucking lot for two weeks before they fill up that truck with someone else's stuff to Mm -hmm. get to you Mm -hmm. uh but that comes at a price premium it's hey you're the only one on this truck so you're paying for all the expenses to get there but for some families that makes the most sense they don't want to live in a hotel for two weeks they want their stuff there in two days yeah um, whereas some of these major van line operators, um, sometimes they can beat me in price, but the reason is there's three houses on that truck. Uh, it takes two weeks for that uh, truck to get to your location because they're stopping along the huh. way. Uh, but because there's three people splitting the cost, their price is a little better. So I explained to my customers, Hey, there's a couple options for you when moving, you know, more than 1500 miles away. Um, I'd love to explore those with you. And there might still be a job that I could secure out of it. For example, if that customer wants to rent their own truck or rent a pod, we can provide the muscle to load them up. It might be a few hundred dollar job for me, but it's better than losing that customer entirely. Um, so that's, that's kind of how we, we do it. That's cool. You talked a bit about um, like you can do like a garage to garage drop or you can pack all their stuff up. So you guys will actually go in and like pack boxes and stuff. Exactly. We're, we're doing a five bedroom house pack and move today. Uh, so we got a, We got a crew out packing the house right now. So we're bringing in all the boxes. We order the boxes straight from our vendor. Uh, and we've got all the material. We'll, we'll come in and white glove the house. So every knickknack and thing in drawers and china hutches and kitchen cabinets, you name it, gets put in a box labeled. And yeah. then oh, wow. um, the, probably the most rare service we're hired for is the actual unpacking. And the reason is because people are particular about where their yeah. stuff goes. Right, yeah. Um, but we'll do it. And we've been hired to do it. But yeah, it's uh, moving is obviously the most requested. Packing is a far, far second most requested service. And then mm-hmm. the unpacking is very rare. Gotcha, gotcha. So you mentioned towards the beginning how you you used to be doing the moving yourself until you realized that you needed to be working more on the business to help Mm -hmm. it grow. At what point did you realize that and how did you know that that was like the smart business move rather than just doing all the work yourself? Yeah, so... I knew I wanted to be a business owner yeah. and I knew the end game for most business owners is not to be a business worker. Yeah. Um, and for me, the biggest thing was hearing my phone ring so many times in my pocket while I'm on a job and average cost of a move is 700 to a thousand bucks. Right. Mm-hmm. So every time the phone ring mentally, I would say I just lost 700 bucks. I just lost $700 for what to pay myself 15 an hour to be on this <laughs> truck. Right. right. Um, at, at some point, it stopped making sense. And it was so difficult for me to let go of that responsibility and put someone else in charge. But I, I can't make a living running one truck per day. 
Um, and as much as I take pride that if I'm on the truck, my customer is getting a 100% A-plus experience, mm-hmm. I can hire 10 B-plus, A-minus employees to get yeah. the job done. Still a fantastic customer experience, but I can five times my money and five times my customer service and my customer base, and then it just snowballs from there. So once I kind of made peace with the fact that, all right, let's get more trucks and more staff, train them to do the job, even if they're hitting that 90% quality level, if you will, which I hate talking about, but I feel like I'm the best at what I do. Otherwise, I wouldn't have a business. And so once I kind of made peace with that, all right, our customers in the field are still getting an unbelievable customer service, but it's just maybe I was doing 110%. Maybe my employees are at that 100% threshold. Uh I don't Uh know. I'm just saying that I I take a lot of pride in what I do, and I had so much heart in it, and it's hard not to with my name on the side of the truck. Um, So once I learned that, all right, I can step back, I can take the calls, I can manage the crews, and I can communicate with my customers better, it's just an overall better experience for my customers. Gotcha. What have you done to, because you talked about how the snowball effects came in. Yeah. Um, How did you market or just like let people know about you in the first place? So um, we're heavily invested in Google right now. Um, I have an awesome, awesome marketing uh, guy that I've I've known for a long time. He took my business zero to 100 uh, back in beginning of 15. Uh, Travis Weathers with Rotate Digital. Um, He basically came out of the gate swinging with all these new avenues we weren't exploring. One of the best things he implemented on my website was like the instant chat feature. Uh-huh. You know, any car dealership website, whatever, you get that pop up in the bottom yeah. right hand corner. Um, he turned my website into, he hates when I use this word, but it's so true. <laughs> the cheesiest like lead generator website. Like you go to my website and it just attacks you for get a quote now, talk to us here, call now to book your move, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And I was like, dude, that sucks. Like you made the ugliest website possible. Yeah. <laughs> he laughed at me when the phone kept ringing, right? Yeah. The emails kept dinging. It was, hey, I need a quote for this. I need a quote for this. That's what your customers want. They're coming to your website to do business with you. Make it so easy they can't say no. Yeah. And so once he he put the get a quote email form, the instant chat, the instant, the you know, you click on the call now button and it calls from your phone instantly. Right. All these things. Once he made it so easy for customers to book and get a quote, it was a serious game changer. Um with the SEO all the Google ads. We were one of the first to be in the beta testing for the new Google local services, the Google guarantee platform that sits up at the top. It's a super expensive lead generator. It's about 50 bucks every time your phone rings from it, whether you get the job or not. So it's very high cost, but it's a very successful booking rate and it gives customers that um, Google does like a background check, not only on the business, but the business owner to be listed as a Google guarantee. So I think it's just an extra layer of giving that customer that comfort feeling, dealing with a reputable business. Um, And so that, since we were one of the first in our area to get involved in that because it was an invite base um, basis, uh, that has been super successful for us. Um, we have tried and failed with um, the devil Yelp. Uh, <laughs> just not a big fan of Yelp. I try to destroy them any chance I get. Every time their stock drops, I throw a party. Um, I just I 
I can't say enough bad things about Yelp. Um, so we try to direct our customers to Google primarily. Yeah. Um, I've had my I've had my phone calls with Google. I've probably said some naughty words once or twice, just being so frustrated with different things. Yeah. Uh, but I think that just brings me back to being human. And it, and yeah. it's funny because when I get frustrated in a customer service event like that, I actually will switch that around and be like, "Yo." This is how your customers feel when you're not doing something, uh-huh, right? So it uh-huh. brings you back down to humble ground, yeah. and, and it, it's good for me. Um, but overall, Google has been the best, I think, for SEO and search engine optimization, all that fun stuff. Having your Google ratings the highest just is the best return on yeah. money. Facebook is good, too. We actually don't do any sp- sponsored money um, besides your casual boosted post on Facebook. Mm-hmm. Um, a big thing for us is I have an awesome army of people referring me in Facebook groups for yeah. movers um, cool. from just family um, networking groups. I'm in there. Every time someone asks a mover, I see 10 times Pearson moving, Pearson moving. That has been very successful too. And there's not necessarily a direct dollar associated with that other than keeping your relationships going with those people. Yeah. So that's that's kind of how we're invested. Mm-hmm. So Google right now is your best best, and then is this from this digital marker you talked about? Yes, yeah. So I I always will hire someone to do something that's better than something at me, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Travis handles all of my marketing, all my email. Um, I post myself on the social media pages. Yeah, I don't hire anyone to do that. Um, we taught we took some professional photos in February this year, which gave me about 150. I can slowly drop. Cool. I probably need to do some more because we went through them fast, but. Um, I could be much better handling the social media aspect, and I, I'm not just because, I, for whatever reason, laziness, I guess you could say, I, I could consider hiring someone to wrap the personal brand a little better yeah. and be more involved and post yeah. twice a day, but um, probably one of the next things to do on my to-do list, not going to lie, but um, yeah, posting the photos, that that's big, um, but he handles, he makes sure my phone rings, and that's bottom line. That's cool. That's, all, that's cool. So what would you say your number one piece of advice would be for growing a business? So um, don't be afraid to take the risk and don't let yourself get backed into a corner to where you can't take a risk. Like I talked earlier, um, I don't know how I would answer the question if I had to stop my what I was doing right now and go start a brand new business in a whole new industry right now with my family living and the things I have. I, it would be very difficult for me to answer that question. Yeah. So I think starting young and not being afraid to fall is probably the best piece of advice and I'll, and I just root those guys on anytime someone takes that step off that ledge that's a big move to take and just don't be afraid to fall uh, the way our world is set up now with all of these uh, with the social media and all these tools at your disposal yeah I'm not going to say it's easy to start a business, but it might be a little easier than someone 60 years ago who For started sure. a business. Yeah. Yeah. They had to go get a storefront because otherwise then no one would know they yeah, existed. Exactly. Um, no one could afford a TV commercial unless you were the big brand. Mm-hmm. And so I think it's a little easier for people to start a business now, but it by no means is easy. Yeah, that's cool. Um, and then what's what's the ultimate goal for Pearson Moving? What, what do you got in store for us? I talk about this quite a bit uh, internally and then with some other uh, mentors. Um, They say a good business owner should start with their end game in mind. Mm -hmm. So know your exit strategy. I'm sure there's plenty of books written about that. Um, I'm between two. Um, I have a dollar mind, a dollar in mind. 
uh, that if I was if my business ever reached a valuation for this number, I would sell just because I think that's a cool milestone. Yeah. Um, and a lot of people have become very successful in their later years of life because they sold their first business at a younger age and then took that capital to go to the next level. Right. Um, so I don't want to say I would be afraid to sell as crushing as it would be just because it has my name on the side of the truck. For sure. Um, I do have a, a vague dollar in mind that I, I would let go for. Um, the other thing is there's a lot of moving companies that have been around for a hundred years just because it's such an old profession. Yeah. You have some moving companies on the East Coast that, you know, were invent or started in the eight, late 1800s. Wow, yeah. Um, and there's pictures of them with the horse and carriage stuff. It's cool <laughs> stuff. Awesome, yeah. Um, but a lot of them are family names. Some of the biggest moving companies in the world are the, the family names. Yeah. And so, um, it would be cool to have it passed down. Um, I'm sure there's a way for me to be compensated because, you know, at the end of the day, I've built a business. There's yeah. going to be a compensation level. I don't know yeah. if that's a residual that you pull from your son someday. Like, <laughs> I, you know, I don't, or, or you just, you sell it to him at a fair price and he pays you back, whatever. But uh -huh. at some point, that's got to be a part of my retirement plan yeah. to some, yeah. if, if I'm still doing it at that age. Yeah. Um, so either pass it down or let go. Um, is is one of the two options i don't have a, a date in mind um statistically speaking phoenix is supposed to triple in size in the next 30 years really? which 30 years is my career path right. so it's not the industry is phenomenal but there's bad days not gonna yeah, lie yeah. um and there's a lot of days i get so mad and question myself what am i doing but when i look at that statistic i love the east valley why would I remove myself? I already have eight years of professionalism under my belt in this industry. I hope to be a tank at year 10, at 15, at 20. Yeah. I mean, that's all just comes with yeah. experience. And so why would I remove myself from such a potential lifelong money grab in, sure. in an industry? So yeah. um, I'm, I'm running with it for a while. That's yeah. the plan. I love it. That's awesome. Yeah, because Arizona, what, like the two biggest industries right oh, now yeah. are home building yep. and like construction. So it's like you're going to be involved in that process. Absolutely. It's sad to see. So we relocated to Gilbert when I was nine years old. It was 2002. Um, I mean, we live. I grew up in Valvista Lakes and the Riparian Preserve and the library was a farm field, right? Like yeah, I remember yeah. when that was built. I was a kid. But so many miles and miles of Gilbert when I was growing up, even in high school, gosh, in high school, we used to climb to the top of the silos. Yeah, same, <laughs> right. same with you us. You can't do yeah. that now, right? No, there's like a 20-foot gate outside a of it. Exactly. And, and so like, like all of these things, I get so sad when I see yeah. all these apartment buildings and townhomes and all these houses going up. Um, but at the end of the day, I have to look at it. It's like, hey, that's my livelihood yeah. too. Yeah. So um, it's a tough, tough internal battle when I see yeah. more development <laughs> going up. Um, but yeah. Yeah. It's running through the cornfields or moving people into those townhomes, yep. right? Exactly. Yeah. And I think I have to leave that uh, back in my childhood days and <laughs> yeah. just keep those as memories. And right yeah. now, fo focus on growth. Yeah. yeah. That's super cool. Okay, man. Well, uh, we're pretty much at an hour. We don't want to take up too right. much of your time, but we've we've cool. had a super good time. Yeah. Um, learned a ton. But before we awesome. finish up here, we've got a quick game we're going to play with you. Let's do it. Um, so how it's going to go, and if you've listened to previous episodes, you probably know what's, what's coming. But yep. um, you've got 60 seconds to answer as many questions as you can, <laughs> and uh, we'll see how many you can get. So, All right. So we'll pull it up here. So Ridge will start us off in... Three, 
two, one. Uh, stuck on an island, what would you bring? Oh man, uh, I'd bring a a boat. Nice. <laughs> if you had a superpower, what would it be? Fly. Favorite junk food? Oh, pizza. Uh, music you turn on when nobody's around? Soft country. If you could have any, if you could have dinner with anyone in time, who would it be? Oh man, George Washington. Nice. Um, favorite quote? Oh, um, the world is our playground. Nice. Uh, what's your spirit animal? Probably an eagle. Nice. Um, best business book you've read? Ooh, Four Hour Work Week for sure. Nice. nice. Who's your celebrity crush? Uh, my wife because she's super famous. <laughs> there you go. Uh, Michael Jordan or LeBron James? Michael Jordan. There you go. TV show you could binge watch. Oh, The Office. Nice. Um, most ridiculous fact you know? <laughs> oh gosh, I. Two plus two is four. <laughs> if you could swim in any liquid, what would it be? Trulies. <laughs> wow, that was, we cruised that was along good. there. That was, that was really good. good. That did was we sweet. get? I lost track, but did we get thirteen? I or think we 15? got thirteen. Yeah, nice. Nice yeah. for the record. Yeah, nice. I think that's right. tied for the record. So <laughs> cool. We really got to get that leaderboard together. Okay, awesome, man. Um, well, yeah, like we said, we learned a ton today. Yeah. I know you said there's no books on, on moving, but I feel like we could just write out this podcast and sure. turn it into a, <laughs> Absolutely. a start your moving company book. Uh-huh. So really appreciate all the knowledge uh, you gave yeah. us and, and all our listeners. So thanks again for taking time out of your busy schedule to come on. Totally. Um, yeah. And thanks everyone for listening. Before we close up, why don't you just tell everyone where they can find you if they're looking yeah, for you. Yeah. So moving. Uh Pearson Moving on all social media platforms is the, the best to connect to me. Um, that's that's what we recommend. Nice, cool. Well, there you Sweet have man. it. All right. Well, thank you so much for your guys' time. We'll thank catch you. you next time. See ya.